Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. All right, and welcome to Fast Break breakfast NBA podcast my name is Keith Fred Katz will be joining me on the show shortly but right now you're with my buddy John Bird. John how's it going I mean what a day what a day in what sense the Kurt flood of the NBA has emerged and I had no idea it could possibly be Nerlens Nerlens Noel yeah so to open up this show, just real briefly, we got to talk about the Nerlens Noel story because it's incredibly entertaining, <laughs> and also not for—I mean, not for Nerlens, <laughs> no. entertaining for us, uh, but also it's someone we mention a lot. Yes. I feel like very recently on on our episodes, we always keep mentioning like poor like, Nerlens, and it's turned a down all that money. Yeah, it's a perfect send-off for Nerlens because his uh, strategic gaffe has been surpassed by Dennis Schroeder. So we were about oh, to never talk about Nerlens yeah, again anyways. Yeah, yeah. So it's the perfect time for him to pull this. In fact, maybe this is why the real reason he's pulling this boy is to just stay in the zeitgeist. So if you don't know what happened, Nerlens Noel is suing Rich Paul, he of the Clutch Agency, uh, who represents tons of NBA stars, tons of NBA players. They're, they're, well, now it's very clear he only represents LeBron and his interests. Well, that is, that is some just, of the accusation. <laughs> We, I mean, we, allegedly, we got to throw out allegedly a lot. But Nerlens is saying the reason that he turned down this four-year, $70 million offer from the Mavericks back in the day when he was not represented by Clutch was he was at Ben Simmons' Christmas party, and Rich Paul was like, hey, man, 
you should not take that deal. Turn it down. I'll, I'll get you a huge deal. You're a hundred million dollar player. Yeah. Allegedly. So, so he tells him that. And so Nerlens turns down $70 million over four years, takes a $4 million deal. And then that season, he injures his thumb. And then again, according to the lawsuit, Nerlens says Rich Paul lost interest in him. There's other allegations that Rich Paul, like, turned down calls from other teams when they were trying to sign him. And so Nerlens basically himself it's negotiated uh, these minimum deals. The puppet master. I like it. So so the reason this lawsuit... You got to keep Nerlens. I mean, that's the rim protector that LeBron struggles against. That could have been a Roy oh, Hibbert situation. Oh, he's the, he's the Le Le LeBron stopper? He's a Lance Stevenson-style LeBron stopper? No, Nerlens, I, I mean... For in my new conspiratorial bent, absolutely. One of the reasons that apparently that that spurned or, or spurred this con this this lawsuit is uh, Rich Paul was hit up Nerlens, who has since found new representation. Obviously, he hit up Nerlens for his commission on two percent on like yeah the four percent he needed on this like small deal with the Knicks because Nerlens had him paid it, and then yeah. Nerlens was like, well, I got your commission right here. Uh, here <laughs> here is a lawsuit for unspecified damages, but he claims he cost he cost himself $58 million or something. He's saying $58 million were lost because of Rich Paul misrepresenting his prospects and then not rep representing his best interests. So steals, steals man trying to get paid. It is a lot going on. I'm still confused with the initial math, right? Like, all right, you're turning down 70 million for four and you're going to take a $4 million deal. And you're, you're thinking you're going to then get a hundred million dollar deal. But like you have to get a hundred million dollar deal to kind of make the math work. Like five for a hundred and four is technically better than four for seventy, but it's not like it's ton. But like I don't know, you know what I'm saying? See, like you have to you have to like, make up that four million dollars the first year in the subsequent years to make it worth it. Now we're 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 like we're tittering on the edge of like. So here's where my interest in stuff like this goes to. It's oh. Rich Paul is getting sued by a player for being a bad agent. Hilarious, fun. Twitter guy breaks down how many years numbers, whether the lawsuit is frivolous or not. No longer fun. Oh, I'm not saying the lawsuit is frivolous. <laughs> I'm saying the initial decision to right. take four, hoping you would make up the lost 66 that's yeah. a big one. Like that's well, a big I, you one. You got to think that some of it is that some of the appeal is just the name of Rich Paul and the excitement of being uh, involved with him. And I like that perhaps something like this will, you know, light the path for other players to not just sign with the biggest name possible and to, you know, make sure you're doing the right thing for yourself. Cause how many times have we seen stuff like this? I mean, is Dennis Schroeder now going to file suit? Like what's going on here? Uh, yeah. Who, who knows what his <laughs> advice was or his representation was. Or this lack just... thereof as it looks. Cause th there's, there's talks about like Rich Paul not returning calls. Well, isn't there a thing where Joel Embiid went without an agent and negotiated his most recent deal? So he doesn't yes, give up. Joel Embiid, the Bill Murray of the NBA. Also, you have a uh, Dirk Nowitzki. I don't think ever had an agent or didn't have an well, agent. Like, well, he signed bad deal after bad deal. He, he really so that did. Makes total yeah. sense. He took way <laughs> under market value. Uh, hopefully uh, Cuban was paying him and I don't know, 
Cryptocoin and or shares of dust cat, stock. Cat catfishing strippers, I think, was the was the deal that was made. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know who to cheer for in this lawsuit, but it's interesting. Yes, you do. And you it once again it once again shows why a competitive market is better than a monopolistic one. Uh, you got to have someone representing your interests. Don't just join the uh, the biggest company. Anyway, That's why we need to start covering the Filipino Basketball Association as well. Uh, when Fred comes on, he covers the Wizards, obviously. Um, we talk a bit about, they're a kind of interesting offseason. But I want to know for you, John, before I get there, what is the more impressive streak in the NBA? The Kings missing the playoffs 15 consecutive seasons. We're talking about a league where 53% of the teams make the playoffs. Okay. And somehow they've lost this coin flip 15 straight years. Or the Wizards not winning 50 games since 1978-79. 42 seasons of not winning 50 games. What's, uh, what's the more impressive streak to you? Wow. Despite 50 games being kind of an arbitrary number, that is such an impressive number of years to not achieve it. Yeah. I'm going to have to, as, as like easily identifiable as the playoffs threshold is, and especially since this is now with the playing game, like if we count the playing game tournament a little bit destined to end, I'm going to go with the 42 yeah. years of, 40 of, of, of lost gluttony. Two years. They got so close. <laughs> they won 49 games just a few seasons ago. And it is an arbitrary number, obviously, but still, sure. come on. How, how do you not win 50 wins one time in four decades? I know. I mean, the Grizzlies would win 50 games. The Grizzlies. So many times. Speaking of the Grizzlies, John, the Grizzlies regional caravan is coming uh -oh. to Nashville, Tennessee on September 10th. They're also making stops in Jackson, Tennessee, in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, Birmingham, Alabama, and several other places. So if you are in the Mid-South and you want to come out, do some meet and greets with the Claw Crew, the Grizz Girls, pick up some swag. Make sure you go to grizzlies.com to check out all the dates and the schedule. And also, one lucky fan at each stop is going to win a weekend in Memphis getaway package that includes a two-night stay at a downtown hotel, tickets to a Grizzlies game, and passes to local Memphis attractions. So visit grizzlies.com today for all the details. Well, John, thanks for hopping on with me, and I will talk to you next week. Good luck with the cats, man. Patreon supporters, if you want to play fantasy football with me, we're doing signups right now. You got to be at the $5 tier, patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. Go ahead and send me a message if you want to be included. Also, for all of our patrons, we're doing our Zoom hangout this Sunday August 29th at 3 p.m. Central. So if you want to join us in the Zoom as we answer your questions live, you can do that. That's available to everyone who supports us at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. I'm joined right now by Fred Katz, who covers the Wizards for The Athletic. Fred, how's it going? It is going wonderfully. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Happy to have you. This is your first time on Fast Break Breakfast. We start talking about breakfast first thing. Uh, have you had breakfast today? I have not. I don't do breakfast. One of those. I'm No, I'm putting you in the file. There's a lot of these. I'm doing, well, I'm doing intermittent fasting right now. Oh, so, okay. So no, uh, no, no breakfast. 
Well, so intermittent fasting is 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 a very anti-breakfast. Well, so I mean, I don't want to get you know into the semantics on you, but if you're fasting, you're going to break that fast That's at some true. point. What would so, one call so, that? So, so, I mean, well, I, there's if there was a word for that, I don't know what it would be. I don't know what I would call that. I don't what, know what I would. Call what that. time do you end up eating? On the day when you're intermittent fasting, and then what is that normally? What's that meal? We can do that one. I start off at at one p.m. Okay, and uh, it varies. Sometimes it'll be a, a lunch sort of food. Sometimes it'll it'll just be eggs. I'll go the breakfast route. So it depends. I haven't really thought about today yet, to be honest. It's normally whatever I'm feeling in the moment slash whatever's in the fridge. I mean, some people feel like they're not breakfast people, and then you come out and tell me frequently the first thing you eat during the day is eggs. I mean, I hate to tell you, Fred, it's it sounds like you eat breakfast. That's breakfast for lunch. You know, that's a different. Okay. All right. It's a different delineation. Listen, there's a lot of ways to build an NBA champion. I say there's a lot of ways to build uh, a breakfast. It's not all, not everyone's going to have a LeBron James. Sometimes so we have a, we have a too narrow, too narrow a view of what breakfast should be. I think some people have too narrow views on what constitutes winning and breakfast. Yes. Um, well, you know what? I mean, I guess. All of this is a construct. I mean, if we really want to get into it, you want to talk about constructs. Yeah. Breakfast food yeah. is a construct. Yeah. Sausage, fine. Hot dog for breakfast, disgusting. They're the same thing, though. You well, have French fries for breakfast, but you can have home fries. They're the same thing. It's, it's I, all a I construct. I do follow the line of thinking. I'm, I'm, I, I can't argue much. Although, I mean, if you tell me you're giving me a sausage and you hand me a hot dog, those are not the same thing. That's a fight. A hundred percent. But okay. in terms of level of disgustingness for the first thing you eat in the day, they are exact equals. Yes. Yeah. Do you want, you want a bowl of cookies that you put milk on? Cereal. Exactly. If I, if I, if I said to you, if you said to me, what'd you have for breakfast today to start this off? Yeah. And I said a piece I, I, of cake. I, I actually did do that. Yeah. Um, we, it, yes, you did. Okay. If I, if I had responded to that, a piece of cake, you would have, I don't know if you would have said it because you seem like a very nice person, but you definitely would have thought, wow, that is an unhealthy and disgusting lifestyle. But if I said a donut, you'd be like, all right, normal. If you said donut or piece of cake, I would have said, wow, man after my own heart. Love it. <laughs> well, I've definitely done the piece of cake thing. Per was that's great. That's great. That's we, for sure happened on multiple occasions. We should probably get to the basketball talk, although people uh there need to. I, I mean, honestly, based on listener numbers, that I think they like the breakfast more. You see the tail off on the uh, on the data. No, you cover the wizards, a very, very interesting team, I feel like. I think they were interesting last year. Maybe car crash sort of way i mean they were pretty good like they were they were okay and now this year they've changed a lot of players they obviously lost russell westbrook and they're hoping they're going to be pretty good like what's what's kind of the feeling in washington like are they're they're optimistic so i think they're optimistic their their goal is last year they wanted to get into the playoffs this year their 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 goal they say is they want to get into the top six they want to avoid the play-in tournament that's going to be really tough yeah it was tough last year. They lost Russell Westbrook. And for all the praise of the Russell Westbrook trade, which, I mean, I'm, I'm along with it. It opened up flexibility. It gave them way more depth. They're insanely deep at the two forward positions and, and at bigs. Once, once Thomas Bryant gets back, they're going to have three centers that you could justify giving playing time to on top of like a million forwards that you could throw out there and be fine. 
They're deep. I, I, if you want to argue that they're going to be better, especially after the way Westbrook got off to his start last year, I mean, he was, he struggled so much at the beginning of the year. He was fighting through a quad injury and he just didn't look like Russell Westbrook. He couldn't get to the hoop. There was like a six quarter stretch at the beginning of last year when he didn't even, he didn't make a layup out of the half court for like six or seven consecutive quarters. It was wild. And I covered Westbrook in Oklahoma city too. I have seen a lot of Russell Westbrook basketball. I promise you, I have never seen that for such a long time in NBA games. Uh, But at the end of the year, he was playing at an all NBA sort of level for the last month and a half, two months of the season. You lose Russell Westbrook. It's going to hurt you uh, in some way, shape or fashion. You're going to lose that explosiveness. The character of their locker room is going to change. The personality of the team's going to change. I could see them getting better, especially because they won't have to deal with that Westbrook slow start to begin things. Uh, but but it's, uh, you know, you still lost Russell Westbrook. So I think they're probably somewhere around the play-in range still. And the East also got a lot better, which is going to be tough for them too. Yeah, I was optimistic last year and was mainly optimistic because like I was like, all right, Westbrook, you know, I feel like he's going to fit with Bradley Beal there. Like that's some dynamic playmaking creation scoring that most teams like no team has that kind of one two punch and then I was like and I like I really liked I was like Bertans is gonna have a good year with those guys you know taking pressure getting him open looks Thomas Bryant like I love that guy well it turns out Bertans was terrible uh Thomas Bryant was injured and then Westbrook you know had that struggle start and they still technically I mean they can raise the banner they made the playoffs mission accomplished uh but now it's it's again like where I'm looking at this team and I feel myself getting optimistic because I'm just like, well, they, they've acquired a lot of competence, like role player competence, like KCP, he's a good NBA player. Like he's a solid rotation NBA player. Kyle Kuzma, I think is a solid rotation NBA player. Dinwiddie, the, I guess that's like a big, maybe maybe the big catalyst for how it all works this year. Like how he looks might be how this team looks. I'm not a huge Dinwiddie fan, but he's a competent NBA player. And so I do feel like you surround Beal with depth. You could be kind of good. But then if you talk about making the top six, I start looking at the rest of the East and I'm like, oh, well, they're not, they're not better than any of these teams. Like, so if there is a team they're circling, cause they're like, all right, Bucks, Nets, Sixers, Heat. We don't, I don't think anyone thinks they're going to catch them. And then, then we're talking like Knicks, Hawks, like, or the, like, can you catch the Knicks? Like, can you catch the Hawks? And then you're fighting with like the Celtics. Haven't mentioned them. Like, is there one of those teams that maybe you've circled that like, okay, the Wizards can overcome that team. Yeah, no, I don't I don't see them being better than any of those teams. And and I mean, look, Atlanta's not going to get off to a 14 and 20 start again. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Presumably, they're going to be healthier. Uh, the Knicks, I could see falling off after last year. Opponents shot a really, really, really bad three point percentage against them. And I could see that being something that comes up. And I could see certain guys on that team kind of just regressing to their their own norms. Uh, I that said. Kemba for eight million is a is a really good value add, I think. And Fournier, you know, regardless of what you think of that contract, he's he's like, as you described many people just now, he's a good, competent NBA rotation player. Like, he, he helps you in the grand scheme of things over 82 games. And I don't think it's just there. Like, I don't think it just stops in the top six. You look at the play-in range. Indiana had a major upgrade at coach with Rick Carlisle and was one of the most injured injured teams in the NBA last year. Chances are, they are going to have a healthier season coming into this year. They're, 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 I think, going to be better. I mean, they were really, really, they played at a 51-win pace two years ago. 
I think they're going to be better. Charlotte brings in Kelly Oubre, Mason Plumley, and most importantly, what if LaMelo Ball just shows up and plays at an all-star level or something like that? Now, all of a sudden, you got to worry about them potentially winning 41 or 44 games or whatever they end up getting to because LaMelo makes some huge jump, which I think is at the very least realistic and the very most likely. Well, like I'm, I'm drinking all the not to cut you off. I'm drinking all like the Charlotte Kool-Aid. Like I, I they have like that vibe of like whatever. If it, if it is just the LaMelo vibe and like the Terry Rizier vibe and they were I mean, they were better than the Wizards last year until Gordon Hayward got hurt. So if Gordon Hayward's yeah. back and if Uber gives them anything, if Mason Plumlee is more available than Cody Zeller, like I, I'm, I'm kind of liking the Hornets this year. And that's, that's not just, just another team. Not just LaMelo. I mean, Miles Bridges yeah. is going to be a player. Yeah. He was so good down the stretch for them last year. He was averaging like 20 a game the last month, month and a half of the season when they made that run and any had to miss games because he was in the health and safety protocols late in the year, but he was so good for them. I mean, there's more too, like, everything went disastrously for Boston last year. Just everything, especially they were fifth in defensive efficiency two years ago. And then they, they dropped to the middle of the league last year. And I just can't imagine they have maybe the worst shooting guards in the NBA right now. Like, I don't know how that's necessarily going to work with Schroeder and with smart and with Richardson and with Chris Dunn. I mean, none of those guys are three point shooters, but every one of those guys can defend. And Jalen Brown can defend and Tatum can defend. And they brought in Al Horford, who was actually having a really nice year for Oklahoma City last year and can still very much defend on that back line. You know, he's not maybe maybe the rim protector used to be, but he's an excellent team defender. And if you put, you know, Chris Dunn, who I voted for for all defense two years ago, you put Chris Dunn and Marcus Smart, who's, you know, maybe the best guard defender in the league and Brown and Tatum and 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 Horford on the floor together. I mean, that's a pretty fantastic defensive unit potentially. So I, I don't think Boston's going to be like elite, but I think they will be better than 500, which is where they were at last year. It's, and there's more, I mean, you know, Robert Williams can defend. It's like that, that has a chance to really be one of the best defensive teams in the league. We don't know what kind of coach Udoka is going to be, but, but I could see them being good. Needless to say, that Eastern conference play in is tough. Chicago too. We haven't talked about Chicago. We haven't we're Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. At the expense of their own future. They still got better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Lonzo Ball makes them better. I, I, I don't really, I'm very, you talk about teams like that aren't great being interesting. I think Chicago is the leader in that category. Oh, yeah. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely feel that. Another team that I feel like no one ever says their name right now is the Toronto Raptors because we think, are they going to, what are they going to do this year? If they want to win, they're incredibly talented. Like, you think of that team, just uh, you're losing Lowry, but like if they were healthy last year, they would have been good. And with Van Vliet in there and if Dragic plays at all, like th there's no reason, honestly, the Raptors couldn't finish better than the Hornets or the Wizards. Yeah. And, and the other thing with the Raptors, which I really don't think gets talked about enough, they have not played a home game yeah. in years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's it is crazy. Like, I don't think people made a big enough deal out over what they had to go through last year. People are like, oh, the Raptors are just kind of falling off and now they're going to tank. No, they've been living at a hotel like in Tampa, like 1500 miles from their homes yeah. without their families, without their kids, without their friends. Just think about think about how when you're on a really long business trip, how after like 
four or five days, you're like, man, it's going to be nice when I get home. But imagine if there was no home. You're talking and about summer league? Trip- <laughs> no, summer league. I love. I never speak Me too, summer man. League. I, I love summer That's, league. <laughs> it's my favorite event on the NBA calendar every year. I think summer league's a blast. Uh, but any business trip that's not summer league. Yeah. After four or five days, you're just like, I'm ready to go home. I, I want to sleep in my own bed. But there is no home. Or I should, I should say there was no home yeah. for the Raptors last year. There was no home. That business trip was never ending uh, from a comfort standpoint, from a personal standpoint, from just a familiarity standpoint. Can't get on a routine. There's no way your mood can be as good as as it is when you're just living in the place that you want to live in and think that you're living in. I mean, man, that's something I think about with expansion teams all the time. It's like when the when the Sonics moved to Oklahoma City, it's like, you know, we 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 talk about this with players when they get traded. Uh, but like there are just also just average, normal behind the scenes people who their lives are uprooted by this too. The and that has an effect on the whole organization, has an effect on the tone of the whole team. So just removing that, I have no idea how many wins that's worth, but I promise yeah, you, yeah. removing that factor is worth wins. Yeah. Um, thinking about the Wizards, going back to the Wizards, and sorry, uh, bottom of the East, like Cavaliers, Pistons, Magic. If your rookies hit, okay, then you're in the conversation too. But going back to the Wizards, you talked about how, like, right now they have all these forwards, and they do have kind of like a weird roster where it seems like they maybe need more shooting guards or like more threes. Like they have all these these fours. How does how does that rotation shake out? Do you think to start the season? Like, is it clear who's going to start? Dinwiddie, Beal. Is Gaffer going to start at five? Like Hachimura, who else? So you, you're asking either the very right person this question or the very wrong person. The very right because I have spent so much time thinking about it and the uh-huh. very wrong because I have no idea what the answer is. Uh, they have so many. You're right. It's They have a ton of forwards, but most of them are kind of better playing the four than playing the three, even though they kind of can play the three. You know, Rui kind of can play the three, but he's not a three. He's a four. He doesn't have the handling ability, the creation ability, or the three-point shooting to really be your full-time three all the time unless you pair him in very specific lineups. Uh, I think they're kind of ha- kind of have to play somebody at a, at a slightly off position. Uh, when I say slightly off, I mean, you know, KCP can play the three. Yeah, I think most nights if you start KCP at the three, you're fine. But if there's one of those nights where he has to guard LeBron James playing the three, that's not ideal. He's better against guards than he is or or kind of regular size wings than he is against, you know, burly six nine wings. It's just the type of defender that he is. Uh maybe on those nights, maybe it turns into a little more of a platoon. Maybe on those sorts of nights where you have that, you start Kuzma at the three. Uh, but then obviously that that changes the dynamic of your offense because KCP is a superior catch and shoot guy. Uh, and the Wizards have been uh kind of on the hunt for a good catch and shoot three and D sort of guy in the exact mold of KCP. He's kind of the exact player that they've been looking for really since they lost Trevor Ariza years ago. They just, they auto Porter, I uh, guess the, the Brooks the trade guy. Sorry. Brooks we love the, trade. we love the Brooks trade over here. The, <laughs> the Brooks non-trade. <laughs> I was thinking losing Trevor Ariza for the first time. Cause I don't oh, think Trevor oh, yeah, Ariza. Yeah. I don't think Trevor Ariza coming back the second time was the same Trevor Ariza that was there the first time. It probably wasn't a great idea, uh, but Anyway, no, no, <laughs> it wasn't. I've had so many conversations about that Trevor Ariza trade, uh, but but I, I'm not quite sure how it's going to shake out. The things that I'm confident on 
are that Hachimura will start at the four. Okay. At least at the start of the season, I think Gafford will start at the five. Bryant's going to begin the year. At least now they project him to be hurt. I think they they hope he can be back within a couple months of the start of the season. He's still recovering from his ACL rupture, uh, but for now he's he's still recovering. So I think it will be Gafford starting. I cannot imagine they start Harrell. But Gafford had an issue last year where he really struggled to play upwards of 20 minutes from a conditioning standpoint. So we'll see what kind of conditioning he comes into camp with. I know that's something that he's really put an emphasis on improving over the summer. If he does that, then you're golden. I mean, he was he was awesome for them last year. I mentioned them catching fire at the end of the year when Westbrook really carried them. Well, part of that was Daniel Gafford. You look at the on-off numbers, and they do not lie. They were like eight points per 100 possessions better last year when Gafford was on the floor. They were just way better. He gave them a dynamic on offense. They didn't have being able to throw down lobs above the rim and put backs and be a rim protector, and he fouls way too much, and that's something that could that could show even more in a more exaggerated fashion playing against starters. Uh, but But he has a lot of talent. And I, I think they think there's a lot to hone there with him. So I imagine he starts. I think Kuzma's going to play. I think he's going to play a legitimate amount of minutes. If he were on their team last year, he would have been their best perimeter defender. He can create his own shot. He can knock down an open three. I think he's going to play. And I have to imagine Bertans is going to play. I mean, he, he has to. You just gave him a five-year deal. He's on year two of it. You know, kind of like what I was saying about the Celtics. Everything went wrong for him last year. He yeah. showed up out of shape. He got COVID shortly into the season. He got off to a slow start because he showed up out of shape. Now, some of these things are obviously within his control. He he, he didn't have to show up out of shape. Well, did, didn't uh, he take things, like 10 months off or something? I know he skipped the bubble, which made yep. sense because he was yep. you know going to be a free agent and it worked out. He got the contract, but it seemed like he played, I don't know, was it 10 months? Like, was, Did he not touch yep. a basketball? Yeah. Like, it, it looked like it. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's a little bit of an exaggerated way of saying he didn't touch a basketball, but, but in principle, kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he, he's, he, when he got back and played training camp, it was, it was the first time he had played five on five in months yeah. and he looked like it at the start of the year. I mean, a month into the season, Bertans is shooting like 33, 32% from three. And I did a story about a month, month and a half into the year where I, I, for some reason, sat down and watched every single three-point attempt that he took the entire season to that point. That's and incredible because I've done to, it. I've done that before just because it's fun. It's such tedious. It's fun. But it's, his, his shots are hilarious sometimes. So like I find yes, it entertaining. That's yeah. true. That's true. Uh, but then when you get into last year because you have to match <laughs> it up against something, it gets a little tedious. Sure. Uh, and what I wanted to do was I wanted to track not not his misses, but where his misses were going because he was saying, I'm not, I mean, I've got my legs, I'm back in shape now, but he was missing from the, from just watching. My assumption was that he was missing short all the time. So I tracked it and he was, I forget the exact numbers, but he was missing short. His misses were falling short, like more than twice as often as they were last year when he was missing long, way, 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 way more. And that is the greatest sign that you don't have your legs. If if a disproportionate amount of your misses are coming short or even right and left, because it means that you're overcompensating with, with your arms and, and the best shooters don't miss right, left. The best shooters miss short, long, and, and that's it with maybe a couple of exceptions on crazy types of shots, right? So he just wasn't in that kind of shape that you would expect. And I just can't imagine that's going to happen 
a second year in a row. I think he'll probably show up in shape this year. I think there was there was a little bit of a, of a struggle for him with Westbrook specifically. You know, he there are certain kinds of actions like he likes to be able to just improvisationally just dart through the paint. You can't do that with Westbrook because he just kind of moves at his own pace and he's going to drive when he wants to drive. And you can't just bring a defender into the lane when he potentially wants to go. Uh, so I think there was a there was a big learning curve with Westbrook for a lot of those guys. I think that's part of why they caught on at the end of the year. They grew more familiar with him. Uh, but with Bertans, I think that was a guy who who definitely went through that learning curve. I could see him being much better this year, and I think they have to give him an opportunity to do it. But that means, you know, maybe Kispert struggles to play right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see how he ends up getting playing time. And, uh, you know, there are other guys on, on that roster who I, I think are probably just going to be out of the rotation, even though you kind of assume when you look at them that they will be. I mean, they have three centers, too. When Bryant's back, they're going to have Gafford, Montrez Harrell, and Bryant. Maybe Harrell's out of their rotation at that at that sense. So it's a lot to go through. It's very difficult to figure out. And I imagine on different nights, different guys will be getting opportunities. It's the year to have depth, too, because it's another short offseason, still the pandemic stuff. I, I, I like, I mean, on the one hand, it feels like they need to play Bertans just for nothing else as an asset play to rebuild his value. So he's not, so the contract no longer feels like it's a negative contract. You talk about like switching up matchup based. I'm curious, like when's the last time a team that was trying to be good or was the last time anybody changed their starting lineup regularly, just based on matchups. It feels like now in the NBA, you just have starters just period. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I, I, I'd be curious if like Wes Unsell Jr. feels like, you know what? I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be the guy where it's like where we play. Uh, yeah. Depending on the night, we have like a, a different, a f- different start, starting lineup. Um, let's talk about Dinwiddie. Before sure. we, but- I mean, I mean, also just to add on to that, I think valuing a starting lineup has gone away in the NBA though. Whenever you ask an NBA coach about starters, whether they say mm, closers are more important. That's that's this. that's that's somewhat true, but I'm also super hypersensitive to this as a Grizzlies fan, where I'm like, listen, if we start Grayson Allen, that means he's playing 26 minutes. We don't need to play him 26 <laughs> minutes. Like like if you pull him out after four minutes, if you do the Keith Bogans, okay, but that never happens. So I, I do actually care, uh, you know, who's starting. That's fair. Yeah. Um. Let's that's talk. Fair. About, let's talk about Spencer Dinwiddie to wrap up because I think again, like I said, I think however he goes. You know, maybe this Wizards team's going to go. I think it's curious to think about the contract he signed. You know, it's about three years, $60 billion. I know a few years ago he wanted to sell shares in his contract. Uh, the NBA said, no, you, you, you can't sell tokens to investors. If the NBA had allowed that to happen, uh, those investors would, would have come out pretty well ahead based on this contract that, that he just signed. It would have been a winning return. I'm curious what you think this year with this new contract with the Wizards. It, would it be a good investment to invest in this contract now, like will he outperform this and give these fictional investors a, a good rate of return? Well, it might be because I don't really know how unlikely incentives would convert to Bitcoin. <laughs> I, I I don't really know how that would work. And, uh, you know, he has a lot of incentives in there, which don't necessarily factor into the cap number. And a lot of them technically based on the way the NBA defines unlikely incentive, they are they're technically unlikely but they are conversationally is it, pretty Is it likely. Wizards win 50 games? Is that one of them? <laughs> it's he has to play in 50 games is one of them. <laughs> and he has to play in 50% of his team's games. It's like, these are, these are mm. pretty, 
these are these are pretty, uh, for lack of a better word, likely things to happen. Uh, so I could I, I'm going to see those numbers going up, but I don't know how how unlikely incentives are going to factor into Bitcoin. I I think the fit with him and Beal is going to be interesting. He Dinwiddie is a guy. He, he's he's an interesting player because he likes to have the ball, but he's played within egalitarian offenses before, and he's played the two. And he's played next to D'Angelo Russell, and he's he's played uh, inside of offenses where he can figure out. He's not one of those guys who isn't a three point shooter, but then is stoic when he doesn't have the ball. He's a pretty good cutter. He's a pretty good mover, and, and I think what the Wizards are banking on is that Beal and Dinwiddie will be the NBA's premier backcourt and get into the free throw line. That's the thing that's going to prop up their offense. Uh, I went through and and looked at it for a piece that I wrote. A couple of days ago, I spoke to Wes Unsell Jr. kind of about those guys' ability to get to the line together. And Dimwitty in his last healthy season had a 44% free throw rate. That's free throw attempts per field goal attempt. And that is ridiculously high. One of the best rates in the league of any non-big man. Beal last season had a 33% free throw rate. Very, very, very good number. Only two starting backcourts in the NBA had each the point guard and the shooting guard last year with a free throw rate above 30%. One of them was Beal and Westbrook. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you know the other one? I would guess uh, Harden and Kyrie. It's a great guess. Not correct. Ah. Kyrie was at 20%. Uh, the answer is Ricky Rubio. Oh, I've heard you say and this. And Josh Kogi. Okay, I have heard you say that before. All right. <laughs> it's fantastic. Josh, Josh Akogi, who is just a monster. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, so I like how you throw that stat in to to express how meaningless the first stat is. You said so. <laughs> yes, that's true. No, you know what? Not meaningless because the problem is they're not really going to do anything else offensively. Yeah. Uh, I think the Wizards are banking on Dinwiddie and Beal giving them a little more than just free throws. Yes. Uh, but but if Beal, I mean Beal's three point shot has fallen off basically three years in a row now, which is a weird thing. Uh, you know, even people talk about him taking on more of an offensive load and that being the reason. I don't know. I think people are just using cliche analysis when they say that because he shot like 34% on open threes last year on second spectrum, which is kind of mind-blowing. Very weird for a guy who had an excellent season last year. It was just a very weird, very weird stat, and it's a very weird trend. Uh, but He's still a very efficient player. He's great at getting to the hoop. He's great at getting to the line. And I think Dimwitty, if you put shooters around them, and when Bryant is back, it's going to be interesting because he can really shoot the three for a center and he can finish inside as well. If you can put three-point shooters around them, there are going to be lanes for them. And I think that's what the Wizards are hoping they're able to, to do offensively in the half court. They're, they're going to be able to spread and they're going to try to be able to get to the hoop. But the Dimwitty-Beal combination is going to be interesting because they're going to have to learn they're both kind of Beal's become he's he's an easy to fit in guy, but he's also become a ball dominant one. And and this is clearly his team. And it's it's going to be interesting to see how those two guys mesh together, because I think Dinwiddie is better with the ball. And I think for Beal, it honestly doesn't really matter because he's about as good running around screens as any other star in the league is. I mean, he's in terms of just the act of getting himself open, cutting and improvising cuts, especially I think he's as good as any other star in the league at that kind of stuff. Uh, so, so it's going to be really interesting. Maybe Dimwitty ends up handling more. Beal takes a lesser, lesser load with the ball this year. Um, I could see it going okay, but I could see there being flaws because Dimwitty is just not a jump shooter. 
Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be interesting no matter what. At the very least, we can say Bulls Wizards will be the most intriguing eight nine play in game, uh, possibly uh, this coming next season. Anyway, Fred, thanks so much for jumping on. Appreciate your time, and hopefully you'll uh, come on again sometime. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. All right, thanks to Fred for coming on. I am super intrigued by the Washington Wizards this season. The whole Eastern Conference seems like it's going to be so competitive and so amazing this year. I'm pretty fired up for it. If you are an NBA collector and are looking for some Grizzlies collectibles right now, you can enter your name in the Memphis Grizzlies bobblehead sweepstakes. This is one of the cooler collectibles the team has made, and it is a collection of 20 bobbleheads of Grizzlies figures throughout the Memphis history. I'm telling you, it's absolutely amazing and the Grizzlies are giving away two per week. Just go to grizzlies.com slash bobblehead giveaway. Enter your name to win today. Once again, to win a 20th anniversary collection of 20 Grizzlies bobbleheads. I have this collection. It is awesome. You go to grizzlies.com slash bobblehead giveaway. If you want to support our show, do that at patreon.com slash breakfast. We will be having our Zoom Hang out for our Patreon supporters on Sunday at 3 p.m. Central, a Zoom hangout where we're going to answer all of your questions and just talk basketball and whatever else with you. Also, we're doing fantasy football signups right now. You have to be at the $5 tier to play fantasy football. But if you want to play fantasy football with me, uh, send me a message on Twitter or email fastbreakbreak at gmail.com, and I'll make sure you get signed up for that. Anyway... You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being GNG. Bad break, break, man. You understand? Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.